0: This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime.
1: Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Cross!
0: I I really need to know what I thought was gonna happen in this episode it wasn't what happened though no sure wasn't this (laughs) I like what I know this episode is one of the bangers we got 10 episodes left after this one and it uh, I don't know like does it
1: get weirder I mean kinda a little bit uh yeah this has got to grow up sometime a swans crossing retrospective i'm libby grant
0: i'm nathan kessler jeffrey episode
1: 55 y'all
0: oh my goodness oh my goodness here we go
1: this was originally going to be the end of season five for us for obvious reasons yeah but i think it works well where it is okay uh let's go over your predictions from last week
0: Please.
1: You predicted that Callie and Jimmy would get the rocks back to Beric. He would still be suspicious despite their explanations, but no real conflict would happen, and it wouldn't make any sense. Well, they did get the rocks back, so we'll see what happens with the rest of it. No
0: Beric in this episode whatsoever, even though he is talked about a lot.
1: You predicted that Jimmy would find out about Glory's kidnapping. That kind of does happen. Like, he was sort of oblivious to it before, and now he realizes there are snake men on the prowl.
0: Yep, snake men on the prowl is a really good title for this episode, even though the snake men do not appear in it. It
1: is. We still feel the echoes of the snake men throughout. Oh, echoes of the snake men. Also, Echoes the- of
0: the snake men, also very good, Libby. <laughs>
1: You predicted we would find out whether Mila would pick Garrett or not and whether Garrett would uphold his end of the bet. We do find out whether Mila picks Garrett. We'll get into it.
0: We did not hear anything about the bet though.
1: Yeah, not yet. You you said um no Owen and Sandy stuff. And um honestly, I I I think we kind of got some Sandy stuff. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll, we'll go into that too.
0: Sandy's not in the episode though. I'm giving myself that one.
1: Okay. <laughs> And you predicted that Glory would visit JT and Neil in JT's room as they were trying to figure out what to do next, and they would still have no money. Glory did not visit them, but they are trying to figure out what to do next, and they still have no money. Right. So kind of. Yeah.
0: I'll give myself 50% on that.
1: <laughs> Tell us about that mysterious thumbnail.
0: Oh my gosh. So, in the thumbnail for Swans Crossing episode 55 on chatfactory.tv... Uh, this one is black and white with Sydney looking extremely distressed in her home. You can see the wood paneled walls and the sheet covered furniture behind her. Looks like she's still wearing her blazer. Um, and, and this is like one of her most distressed faces.
1: I can't wait to talk about the scene where this this comes from. <laughs> All right, let's get into this very intense episode. We open where we left off, with Mila staring through the hole in the wall at Garrett. No one speaks. The only sound is the duke-duke-duke music, indicating potential doom.
0: She says, Garrett, in amazement. Garrett murmurs a word which I think is Mila, but it's so quiet you can't hear him at all. Mila turns and says, Sydney? And as the camera cuts to Sydney, she averts her eyes and stares away. It is an extremely weird opening scene.
1: It's very weird. We immediately cut from that strange moment back to the booth porch. JT, Neil, Jimmy, and Callie are still there. My God, it has been like eight or nine hours at this point.
0: Yep. They're talking about Glory's abduction and questioning, which is where we find out that Jimmy is finally like in on what happened. They repeat some of the weird things that have happened, inclu- including Neil getting roofied, his walkie-talkie getting bugged, Saja getting chased, and all of that kind of stuff.
1: Yes, and they've, they're have they kind of starting to put all these pieces together that Barrick, the Snake Men, and the Baldi Pursuer guys are all sort of involved with each other somehow.
0: The The great thing about this scene, and them sort of like starting to put all the pieces together, is that we get a scene pretty much exactly like this like two scenes later, so <laughs> So if you don't get it this time, you will figure out what's going on next time.
1: Yeah, don't worry. There's a supplemental. <laughs> Jimmy seems a little rocked by the revelation that Barrick is somehow involved in all the sketchy shit that's been going on in town, but he's on board for helping them out with trying to solve the mystery.
0: And for keeping it secret.
1: Yes. And then JT and Neil head out to do more science stuff, bitching about their lack of funds, and we cut back to no man's land again.
0: Mila is all putting it together, out loud, <laughs> that that Garrett is Chandler. Like, listening to her talk through her thoughts, kind of stream of consciousness, felt like, I don't know, it, it was just, it was so painful. As an author, as a person who does this stuff, I was like, yeah, I mean, yes, this is one way to reveal information to the audience. <laughs>
1: It's a choice. (laughs) It is a choice. (laughs) She wants to know if this is some kind of joke, and Sydney admits it's not. And Garrett forces Sydney to admit that it was her idea to use the whole Chandler ruse.
0: The dialogue in this scene, as, as, as they are explaining this plot to win Mila's affection for Garrett, the dialogue in this scene is really undercut by the fact that these the synth music is so loud that the dialogue is almost inaudible
1: in some parts it actually is totally inaudible all you can hear is this like weird swelling inspirational synth jam it's so funny to me that like what were they trying to cover up with that cuz like the dialogue it seems fine. Was there some sort of weird glitch or whatever? I, I don't know. It's so strange. It's such an odd choice to just like swamp this intense emotional scene that so many things have been leading up to with synth music. So as this music is overwhelming everything, you can just barely hear Garrett say that Sydney only did all this so that Mila and Garrett could have a real chance at getting back together because they're meant to be together. And then Mila's like, but but Chandler isn't real and Garrett's like, but it is real. I'm Chandler and all those feelings were real. And then he says, this line cracks me up every time I hear it. Sydney being sensitive to my needs helped. Do you know any teenage boys that would say something like being sensitive to my needs? Like it's just, it's very bizarre. (laughs)
0: It is extremely bizarre.
1: An odd choice. So then there's just like these squealing guitars just take over. That synth guitar peel is insane. <laughs> it is so loud. The slow jam synth swamps everything. Their mouths are moving, but you can't hear anything. You can there's this one moment where you can just barely make out Garrett saying to Mila, Your best friend wouldn't do anything that wasn't in your best interest. And then Mila says, I don't know who to trust anymore. Garrett's
0: response to that is, fine, you don't believe me? I'll go and I'll try not to look back.
1: So dramatic.
0: Camera zooms in on Sydney as we hear Garrett's footsteps. (laughs) And we cut to commercial. Folks, there is no theme song in this episode. They had to pack so much into it. Although, I really feel like the, the whole JT Neal scene at the docks could have been like easily <laughs> subbed out for the theme song, but whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. That scene was a little odd. When we come back from commercial, the sound editing is not much better. We see Mila looking through the hole again, and we get a flashback to her weird birthday party at Swan's when she danced with Garrett but the sound's all fucked up in that scene too and you can't really hear much of the dialogue.
0: And then we get a flashback to the cafe after they won the game, the baseball game. We get a flashback to the swimming lessons and we get a flashback to literally moments ago.
1: Like not even from from last week's episode, like earlier in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome.
0: And he's it's, it's when he's still got the hood up and he's like, I've never felt this way about anyone. You're <laughs> so funny. And then we come back to the present and Mila calls out for Garrett to return. And we get this shot of Garrett turning around where his smile is absolutely chilling. It is. This is like, I would put this up there with Silence of the Lambs and 7 in terms of like bone chilling moments in cinema
1: it is very very creepy and you know he wants to say ooh i love myself but he restrains himself
0: <laughs> ooh i restrain myself <laughs> that that's also a very good title <laughs> for this episode
1: <laughs> he comes back to the wall mila starts to recite some of the poetry and over her shoulder, we can see Sydney first staring in agony and then rolling her eyes so incredibly hard. And Chandler,
0: or Chandler, Garrett obviously doesn't remember writing this poetry, so Sydney has to remind him. And then he sort of changes the subject to wanting to get her to smile at him the way that she is right now. So (laughs) So he invites her to walk over to his house because, quote, you're the first girl I can actually take home.
1: So they're going up to Garrett's room to feel each other up. That's what's happening here. That's
0: definitely what's happening. I
1: was 14 once. I know the game. The two young lovers depart and Sydney is left with only her pensive piano theme for company.
0: So we cut over to Jimmy and Callie trying to pick the lock at the tool and die. And when that doesn't work, when Callie isn't able to like pop the lock open with her hairpin or whatever, Jimmy produces keys.
1: <laughs> Maybe should have brought those out first thing, Jimmy.
0: <laughs> now, we have already established that Barrick lives here. What are they doing?
1: Yeah, what the hell? They're just like... They're making all this noise. They turn the lights on down there, and you know, yeah. barracks upstairs. So yeah, I don't know. He just tried to murder you. Maybe maybe don't go provoke him.
0: We uh, we cut over to the docks, which is for some reason where JT T, and Neil have gone.
1: Thank you. I'm like, why are they here? They have no reason to be here.
0: There's there's utterly no reason for them to be here. JT suggests they get the Rodavians to mine the last element that they need (laughs) on credit. Like, hey, hey, gang, we need you to get this very dangerous element and we don't have any money yet, but if you give us like 90 days...
1: (laughs) Neil says even if they could convince them it would take light years to do it, I would just like to point out that a light year is a measurement of distance, not of time, and I feel like Neil Atwater, the super nerd, would know this.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely,
1: failure on the writer's part.
0: Yep, like like the Parsecs in in Star Wars.
1: Yes, the boys are troubled by Barrack's involvement. They can't figure out why he'd be creeping around the explosion site, and then they decide they must trust no one except
0: for Callie and Jimmy. Right,
1: <laughs> because kids are fine. You can trust children, but no one else.
0: Yeah. The one thing that definitely isn't on their time, uh, on their side, is time. I really effed that up.
1: <laughs> I really screwed up that delivery.
0: Fortunately, in the episode, Neil nails it.
1: Oh, Neil nails everything. Eddie Robinson, fantastic actor, yeah, especially for such for his age, as young as he was. Like all of, all the kids do a really good job on this, but Neil really has like the chops. You can feel yeah. it. We cut to commercial again. When we come back. Callie and Jimmy are creeping around the to tool and die with flashlights. Jimmy sensibly turns on a light, and there's a little exposition as to how he came to be in the possession of the keys.
0: Callie returns the hot rocks to the side table in the shop under the rag where she got them, and he... Okay, I may need you to explain what happens next, <laughs> because he asks... My understanding of what happened the next is, he asks if she has any other stolen property, because the burglar always returns to the scene of the crime. And then he takes her hands and says, does that sound make you purr?
1: (laughs) Okay, that's very close to what happens. Okay. (laughs) He is like awkwardly flirting with her, but he specifically calls Callie a cat burglar. And then when he takes both of her hands, he says, is this how to make you purr? Like, it is a creepy line. It's a creepy moment. It's awkward and weird. Somehow it works on Callie. She's into it.
0: She like leans in to like smooch him and then stops herself saying something's wrong.
1: Yes. She can't make out with him because all is not well in her universe. She admits her dad has been out with his sub for too long and she's getting worried about him.
0: She asks if Jimmy ever misses anyone that he's close to and he starts talking about his older brother Johnny who taught Jimmy everything, including like mechanics and like taking apart bikes and all that kind of stuff. And he is now out on assignments. He's a photojournalist. Yeah. Apparently he's in the rainforest trying to photograph a rare medicinal fruit.
1: Right. This is so weird because it sounds like Jimmy says tamarin, which is a little monkey, and it would make sense that you would send somebody out to take pictures of a little endangered primate. And then Callie's like, oh, yeah, it's this medicinal fruit, which is... Tamarind with a D, but like also like not rare. It's cultivated like everywhere. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah, it's so weird.
1: It's very odd. I don't know what was going on in the writers' room for that one, but of course, Callie knows exactly what he's talking about because Callie knows everything. And after a little more talk, Callie realizes that Jimmy's so into Barrack because Barrack reminds him of Johnny. I want to
0: I want to reiterate that they are essentially having this whole fucking conversation in the living room of Barrick's like house thing because he lives above the shop.
1: Yeah, Barrick, for all we know, is directly overhead right now.
0: Callie reveals that she's really been struggling with all this stuff that she doesn't understand, like why her dad is gone, JT and Neil, and what's going on with them and Barrick, and Barrick's attitude about the whole thing doesn't help very much. And she finally puts together that Barrick reminds Jimmy of Johnny. And that's why Jimmy was so like quick to um, sort of write off Barrick's weird behavior.
1: Yeah. And then she kind of comments that she still wishes her dad were back because she feels so alone. And Jimmy says, look around. You're not.
0: <laughs> and the camera zooms in on Callie as she smiles and we cut over to the booth porch.
1: Yeah, everyone's finally gone from the booth porch. Garrett comes walking up with Mila, and they're holding hands.
0: Essentially, Garrett is trying to explain how Chandler is actually part of him and not just some sort of con job that he has pulled on this poor, unsuspecting woman. Young lady, teenager, right? Yeah. And he's all uh she's talking about i you're the opposite of what i thought chandler would be he was so humble and shy and you're so garrett
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're so garrett
0: (laughs) that's so garrett
1: he says that well everyone changes and she herself has changed since coming to town she's learned how to laugh at herself a little bit more and loosen up a little and she admits she has or at least She's been letting out other parts of herself that no one has seen before.
0: To which he responds, everyone has a private side. They're afraid to show others. And he tells her that Chandler is his. And I just want to, I don't know if this is the quality of our actor's work, but I do not believe this man for a second. There is not one bit of truth to anything that this guy is saying. It is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Hats off to Shane McDermott for a command performance.
0: Yeah. He gets a little closer and she starts talking about how much beauty and kindness she found in his poems, and then this love music starts again in the background, and as they get closer and closer, we cut over to Sydney arriving back home, her pensive music playing as she moons her way through the living room.
1: She wanders across the tarp-covered space in dead silence until suddenly a guitar shreds. She turns an alarm. The front door of the mansion has vanished, replaced by a white void through which a strange spectre emerges.
0: It is Sydney, dressed in Billy Gunn's clothing, telling her that she blew her chance with him. And then Ralph comes in behind this Sydney Billy Gunn apparition and offers him slash her a canopy.
1: Sydney whirls away from this haunting spirit, only to see herself dressed as Mila, with all pink outfit and a blonde wig, entering through another door. Sydney, as Mila, says, "What a dumb friend you are, Sydney. You really liked Garrett, and let's face it, you blew it."
0: This wig that she is wearing is enormous.
1: It is. It's like a beehive, practically. It is so
0: high. It is unbelievable.
1: So weird. The Mila Specter goes on to say that she used to admire Sydney for being so in control, but it was all a big joke. And now she'll always think of Sydney as a fool. And once more, Ralph enters and offers his silver tray of canapes.
0: Then, after after the canape offer, Sydney comes in again dressed in the snake hood, the snake person hood as Garrett.
1: Yes, and uh, my notes describe this as the inevitable third ghost of this dickensian triptych.
0: And it says something along the lines of you really lost it Sydney or should I say Sandy? And then Ralph offers this one a canapé. There is this weird singing and Sydney turns back to where Billy her Billy gun apparition was just moments ago to see herself as Sandy and either Muffy or Nancy. I'm not sure which one it's supposed to be. And it was at this moment that I realized how similar Nancy and Muffy is like, (laughs) look,
1: it is supposed to be Muffy. You can only tell that because the hair is not curly, like, like Nancy's hair, but, but yeah, they're singing uh, Sandy's hit song, cross that line in a hideous parody of harmony. Sydney claps her hands over her ears, cringing away from the devilish music, and the Sandy doppelganger goes on bopping into deafening silence.
0: The the bopping of this, like, what Sarah Michelle Gellar is doing as Sandy, the amount of bopping that is happening is truly incredible.
1: She just bops and bops and bops. And finally... Far later than it should have occurred, a dramatic musical sting snaps Sydney out of her torment. The ghosts vanish and she is alone again, but she clearly thinks she has lost her mind.
0: Did we talk about that this is the scene where it goes to black and white, but it's only when it's on real Sydney? When it's on real Sydney, the camera, the the frame is all in black and white, and then when it shifts to the ghosts, they're in color.
1: And also, like... Only half the time it's on Real Sydney. Like, sometimes she's still in color, sometimes she's in black and white. It's so fun.
0: It is such an interesting filming choice.
1: I mean, really, this explains in a nutshell why the production values of our podcast never really improved over the course of the almost two years we've been doing this. It is because, you know, why should we put in the effort <laughs> when Swans Crossing did not?
0: It's incredible. It's incredible. So Sydney goes over to her window seat and looks over at the booth house where Garrett is rolling up the porch sh- shade. I assume so that Sydney can see it.
1: <laughs> you you have to like, why else would he do it? It's night. It's not like he's trying to control for sunlight here.
0: Right? Yeah. He and Mila look out over the lawn and uh, he says, you've given me the best gift of my life tonight. A second chance. And they kiss <laughs> As Sydney looks on from the window, we fade to black and commercial.
1: Oh, when we we come back. It
0: is the second kiss. I just want that noted for the record. 55 episodes, two kisses.
1: Wait, wait. I think this is a third. I think Jimmy and Callie kissed once.
0: No, they did not. They got very close to kissing.
1: Okay, well.
0: I don't think they have kissed.
1: I, I, I can't remember. Well, they do kiss at some point, so... Spoiler alert.
0: How dare you? (laughs) Don't you get my hopes up?
1: (laughs) When we come back from commercial, we're at the Tool and Die again, where Jimmy has apparently just assembled the entire motor for the concert stage. This looks like a
0: small nuclear weapon.
1: It does. It's, I am not a motor person, so I don't know what motors look like, but I did not expect it to look like this. Yeah. Jimmy admits that all the talking they apparently did while they put the motor together was kind of special.
0: Kind of special. And they broke into the ice cream stash. So they've been down here all night. It is 5 a.m. Because they say that. They've been down here all night. I don't know where the frick Merrick is.
1: They've been down there banging around on a motor for like, you know, at least five or six hours at this point. He never heard it apparently. Maybe he's a real deep sleeper. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they've been banging on a motor.
1: Anyway, um, at the point where Callie looks at her watch and says, oh, it's 5 a.m. I wrote in my notes, go to sleep, you obscene children.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. So uh, Jimmy decides he's going to stay and get a head start on his work for the day. So they they close the shop door between them and we get we get shots of each of them sort of moving away from the door with this dreamy smile on their faces.
1: Right. And Callie uh, is going to walk home by herself. She'll be fine because it's almost sunrise. So she's not afraid of the dark right now.
0: We cut over to Sydney at the docks in a green and white print blouse, so she obviously is changed from last night. However, she is still very much moping around and feeling sad.
1: Oh yeah. She she's like she is like playing up the I'm sad so much in this scene. I love it. She walks around dramatically first and then sits down dramatically, and then the flashback overtakes her of this time her mom gave her a locket as a gift and called her the best daughter ever.
0: Sydney's holding the heart locket from Muffy. She She's fumbling with it a little bit, accidentally drops it into the water, then falls in after it.
1: Right, she's like, no, and just like topples in.
0: <laughs>
1: from nowhere,
0: Callie comes rushing in from off screen.
1: Callie comes in and sees Sydney fall in, and in the place where Sydney went down, the swan periscope emerges from the briny depths.
0: Da-da-da!
1: And then she takes off her shoes and dives in to rescue Sydney.
0: And we cut to the ocean floor where Sydney seems to have found her mother's locket, but her arm is trapped under a rock. And we see Callie come swimming up, and then we fade to black and roll credits.
1: I love this. I love this so much. Like it's so contrived. Like we need a reason for her to fall in the water and get stuck so Callie can rescue her. So uh, we'll give her a locket that she got from her mom.
0: I don't is is this like an attempt to have a reason for callie and sydney to connect because the like the writers have not done a good job of making them close
1: well you'll find out in the next episode exactly why this scene was necessary although i use the word necessary loosely (laughs) yeah yeah. But then, like, just just the whole concept of, like, ah, her hand gets pinned under a rock because she won't let go of this locket. Just reach over the rock to get the locket. Yeah. Don't go underneath it. Like, what the fuck, man? The rock, rock
0: is maybe the size of two loaves of bread.
1: Yeah, it's not big. <laughs> it's just very... It's a strange choice. Anyway, yeah. it is a great way to end this episode.
0: I have to say that, like... The initial response that I had in in like the way that this was filmed, it looked for a hot second like they had put Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller behind an aquarium <laughs> and were like filming through the aquarium so that it looked like she was underwater. It did a little bit, but you can see her hair
1: floating, so she's clearly in the water. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, 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 I agree. And and like you later see Callie like swim up to her, but the first image that I had, I was like, they filmed this. Room. <laughs> What is what the hell is this? <laughs> love it.
1: Well, who was our psychopath of the week?
0: Uh, I would have to say Garrett. Garrett's like
1: really. I think it was Sydney.
0: Sid- oh, Sydney. Yeah. No, I see what you. I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Sydney's Sydney's fever dream is not directed at anyone else, right? Like that is her dealing with her own sort of like internal state whereas Garrett is in like continuing a long con on Mila that has been in the works for like 10 episodes
1: that's a good point okay I'm going with Garrett what was our swan count
0: uh, we had the, only the Periscope swan. So, unfortunately, because I'm at home and I don't have access to the other notes, I don't know what our total swan that count thing. is, but we have one new fake swan. All
1: right. right, we'll, We will tally that up next time. All right, I'm going to yeah. mute my mic and you give me your predictions for next week.
0: Okay, I think Captain Walker is back. So, Mila pulls Sydney out of the Briny Deeps and like there there's a scene of like them getting like toweled off and like taken care of on the submarine where I don't know why the authors have done this, uh, but essentially like Sydney and Callie for some reason have to start connecting. I think we get some glory, Owen and Sandy next episode since none of them were in there. I think there's a scene between Barrick and Jimmy at the tool and die I don't think they talk about the engine for the stage at all. What they probably like, Barrick discovers that his rocks are back and says something like "snide" or whatever to Jimmy about it. Uh, I don't know. Mila and Garrett probably continue their newfound romantic bliss. The and and there's probably a scene or two where Sydney sees them together and just continues to be very sad.
1: Let me ask you a question, prompt you if you will. What do you think will uh, be the outcome of Sydney's dramatic plunge into the sea?
0: Maybe maybe she has this near-death experience and decides that Garrett is not worth any of her mooning and gets a lot better, but that seems unlikely.
1: Okay, well, whatever happens, it is sure to be dramatic indeed on the next episode of Gotta Grow Up Sometime.
0: Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime from the Hit Show Swan's Crossing.
1: And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram at Swan's Pod and on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod. Until we see each other again, may you always ooh restrain yourself. There it is. <laughs> there <we go>. Bye! <laughs> so gotta grow, up. Gotta, gotta grow! Gotta grow up! second chance ducky no second chances for romance hello love couldn't handle it could you love chance of a lifetime and knew that i ended arrogant bird blew it it. it.
0: another canopy sir.